Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy, Joe Truini, and we would certainly love to hear from you on any challenge that you might be having uh, around your home or any comment that you may have. Hey, go ahead and get online right now and send us an email. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 800 946 4420. Joe, so glad to uh, have you on board each and every week. Um, You can kind of feel a little bit of that springtime happening with all of the different phone calls we've gotten about that very thing. We have, yes. Springtime is, we're in the middle of February. It's a short month, so I think people are already looking forward to uh, March and warmer weather. Danny's in South Alabama. I'm up in Connecticut, so you'll get spring a lot sooner than I have. In fact, you're probably already seeing some warmer temperatures. Um, We often find, even going into March, um, we get some cold weather that you wouldn't expect. But uh, yeah, sooner or later, it's going to start warming up, and I guess these outdoor projects are going to start as we wind up and finish up our indoor projects. Exactly right. Well, during this hour, we're going to tackle a number of different projects uh, inside and out, including what can really be done to old stained wood walls to kind of freshen it up and brighten it up a little bit. We have some ideas for you on that. Also, door options. We have a homeowner that's got a big problem with a big door. What can you do? We'll share some ideas on that. Also, recessed floor outlets. Very popular to have an outlet that's in the floor recess, kind of floating out in the middle of the room. You really have to spend a good bit of time thinking about exactly how the room's going to be laid out, but what can you do to make that a little less obvious? We have some thoughts on that as well. A lot of emails coming in, and also, what about a simple solution a little bit later, Joe? Can you give us just a little tease? A little tease on how to clean carpets. Now, this is something that with products you probably have in your house already, so you don't have to even go out and buy anything, and it works very effectively on almost any kind of carpet. All right, that sounds great. Hey, we do love to get phone calls from you. We got a lot of great calls this week, and we're going to go ahead right now and go ahead and tackle a few of those on calls that came in this week on the Today's Homeowner Hotline. I actually have a question about a furnace. We lost heat last night, and uh, the furnace seems to be working fine. Uh, The only problem is there's no heat. I realize that the pilot isn't lighting, but still, like, it's running normal, you know, just like any other day. It's just that pilot is is not lighting. It's a self-lighting pilot, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Boy, that's so frustrating, especially when you need it so many times. It can be just a little switch or a relay, and that's where you have to call in a pro on something like this. I wouldn't really know what to tell him on that, Joe. Of course, checking the breakers are always good. Talking about pilot light, so it has to be gas. Want to make sure, you know, there's no interruption on gas, which is kind of rare. What other ideas would you have for him? Yeah, it's interesting. He says the furnace is running normal, but it's not producing heat. Well, yeah, it's not running normal. (laughs) I guess it's operating, but it's not creating heat. So, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, dealing with a pilot light and dealing with gas, you have to get a pro in there, have them check it out. It could be the thermostat. Um, There's a setting on most furnaces, which is a lockout, meaning it gets locked out, so it needs to be reset. um, And that prevents overheating or 
leaking gas or block filters that the machine, that the machine, the appliance will, the furnace will lock itself out to, to eliminate any problems. So you can check that. Make sure the burners are getting gas because if the burners aren't getting gas, you know, obviously it, it won't fire. Um, and then the only other thing I think to check would be the burner jet in the orifices. The orifices are the little tiny holes the gas come out. If they're blocked, you know, those have to be cleaned so they can check that. Um, and there's also a flame sensor on most of these units. And if they're compromised in any way, you know, it might run, but it won't be producing heat. So, but regardless of that, um, you know, he's got to call on a pro. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess around with this, especially again, since it's gas. And that's one of the areas of the home we do recommend a pro. And I just pick someone that has been recommended by some of your friends and business associates, someone that, um, you know, does routine residential work all the time. They may only be there just a few minutes and you'll be back in the heat. Let's go to the uh, Today's Homeowner Hotline for another call that came in this week. Yes, I currently have an underground basement, and I currently have three-quarter-inch furring strips on the walls in that room, but I'm missing a few furring strips. And I want to see if there's any way to bond additional furring strips onto the wall without using nails. Yeah, you certainly can. I've done it many sure. times. Um, a couple tricks there or tips is to make sure, of course, you got to use treated wood. And when you use a treated wood, you want it to be fairly dry. And the reason for that is the construction adhesive that's the next step will just will just not stick to that wood that is moist and it it, it it's not it's not unusual for um, pressure treated wood you know to have a pretty good uh, moisture content and it's pretty easily remedied by just letting it you know put it out in the sun a little bit and let some evaporation take place before you install it but you, but Joe you almost always have to have something you might not need that many nails or right. uh, even more um, preferred is the tapcon screws to hold that in place, but put some good construction adhesive on there, like tight bond, and yep. kind of spread it out a little bit. Stick it to right where you want it, and then pull that that furring strip off the wall about an inch to give it a little bit of opportunity for some air behind it. And then put one or two screws, whatever you need, to hold it in place until the construction adhesive steps in and does its job. After that, you don't have any worries on it um, at all. But I guess we should also say that wall is going to have to be pretty clean. Yeah. And we're not sure if this is a concrete block wall or, or a poured concrete. I guess it doesn't much matter. Yeah. I wouldn't have recommended nailing it anyway. Whoever nailed it the first ones, that might've been a while ago because ordinarily you do use masonry screws like the tap cons. And I would probably put, you figure this has to be at least seven feet high. So I'd probably put three, pre-drill it then drive the screw through the wood. I'd probably use three, one in the middle and one at the top and one at the bottom. Then between those three and the construction adhesive, you won't have to worry about it coming off the wall. All right, let's grab one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Our daughter and her husband purchased a house, and they have radiant heat in their ceiling. They would like to install a chandelier, but everybody keeps telling them they can't. Is it possible, or just can you not install any type of lighting fixtures in the ceiling because of the radiant heat? Boy, I have never heard that uh, that particular question, and certainly radiant heat in the ceilings. I've heard of that, but can't be very common. What What do you think on this? I know the premise here being that the heat from the ceiling will, you know, maybe cause some problems with some of the light bulbs and things like that. But I've yeah. got to think um, a modern chandelier with LED lighting and so forth. That it seems strange that a heating system would dictate what type of light that you can put on a ceiling. What's your thoughts on it? Jeremy? Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. First of all, is there any more inefficient way to re- heat a room than with radiant That's heat That's what panels? I was thinking. 
on the ceiling. Heat rises. Why would you? Heat rises, so we're going to put it on the ceiling. We're going to make it electric, just so it's really expensive and inefficient. So, uh, yeah, well, besides that, that's, you know, they've got it, so I guess they have to deal with it. But, yeah, I'm not sure why you couldn't hang a chandelier. I mean, obviously, you can't hang a chandelier where the where the panel is, the heat, the radiant heat mm-hmm. panel is. You know, you can't hang it off of that, but as long as there's room to hang it. And, I mean, unless there's some plastic part to the chandelier, you know, maybe that would get affected by it. But it's not that hot, I don't think. So, uh-uh. No, it's very um, even. I'm not, really sure, I'm not really sure what to tell them. But, yeah, you can certainly hang a chandelier as long as you have it. I mean, when you hang a chandelier, you have to have a chandelier that can support the weight of it. Mm-hmm. And usually you use a, a, what's called a pancake box, which is the same thing you use to put a ceiling fan. And you can hang a chandelier. But you know, I, don't, I don't think the fact that there's a radiant heat panel on the ceiling should affect whether or not you can hang a light fixture. Right. So it shouldn't be any problem at all on that. And uh, um, just make sure that, um, as Joe um, referenced, you want to make sure that you have a good, strong support there because chandeliers can get heavy, just like ceiling fans. You certainly don't want that ceiling fan to fall anytime at all. Hey, Joe, when we're, you know, we've been talking about the International Builder Show and yep. Kitchen and Bath Show went to. One of the other things that I noticed here is that the Energy Star ratings have changed. Oh, so they've they? raised their standard a little bit. We always recommend buying Energy Star products and appliances and so forth because they have been proven to be some of the more efficient for energy efficient on the market and they've raised that bar even more so when you're out looking for everything consider that energy star rating because it can make a big big difference hey you're listening to today's homeowner radio we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to talk about a number of other things that can help you have the best looking house on the block you're listening to today's homeowner radio Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Joe and I are so proud each and every week to be with you here on Today's Homeowner Radio and certainly proud of the wonderful stations that carry the show each and every week. Over 350 stations, including this one, KFGO 94.1 FM and 790 AM in Fargo, North Dakota. I actually ran into some of uh, our listeners in the International Builders Show this past week in Las Vegas uh, that were from Fargo, so they listen to a lot of radio up there. I guess it gets a little chilly from time to time, and <laughs> you think? Uh, maybe you stay inside a good bit. But we were, You and I all... flew into Fargo one time. That's right, we exactly. And for exactly. your birthday. Danny good took little... me to Fargo for his birthday. What a nice guy. <laughs> well, that was actually my 50th state, so uh, I saved right. that one up for last, and boy, did we have several good days of fishing and, and a good time there, and it was a very pleasant time of the year, so uh, I would go I would go back in a heartbeat. Well, let's go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the Today's Homeowner Hotline. You can reach out to us right now, 800-946-4420. That's what Sammy in Georgia did. Sammy, welcome to the show, and tell us about uh, your little cabin that you have. Yeah, I sure will. And I'm sitting here in a short sleeve shirt and shorts. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm in Connecticut. I am not in short sleeve shirts. <laughs> well, anyway, I have a cabin that's about 20 years old. And uh, I'm in a process of just boosting it up. It's in very good shape. Uh, you helped me once before with some outside uh, information, and that right. really came in handy uh, oh, about good. a year ago. 
but this is pertaining to the inside. Uh, everything is in good shape. The walls are good. But uh, what I like to do is kind of freshen up the inside. And I'm asking about stain. Uh, it, it looks like when it was built, it, it did have a light coat. But I want to freshen it up. And uh, are there anything you can put on the inside of a cabin? Yeah, there's there's a number of things that you could do depending on how drastic that you want to change it. One of the things that you could actually do is to lightly sand the wood, wipe it down, and apply maybe two coats of a polyurethane. And you might not think a clear urethane like that will make a difference, but it'll enhance the stained wood so much and uh, I wouldn't suggest anything high gloss. That's what a lot of people think about when they think about polyurethane. But you go with, with a, a satin or a very muted finish, and I'd put at least two coats on it. That alone will make it look um, um, a whole lot cleaner, fresher, and so forth. But you can also stain it with a lighter stain, which would require a little extra sanding, not necessarily to strip the entire finish off, but to get a good bit of it off so that the stain would soak into the pores of the wood. And a lot of people don't realize there are off-white and white and gray stains. A lot of people love to have some of the wood inside a light gray, but that's more of a kind of a nautical beachy kind of a a feel to it. Um, But um, are, are you wanting to brighten it up any with maybe introducing some white stain in or basically just kind of work with the color that you have? No, I do want to work with the color I have. And that polyurethane that you mentioned, uh, I do want no more than a satin. And uh, you said two coats. When you say light sanding, are you talking about maybe a 1,000 grit? Or what, are you, what are you talking about, Sam? No, I would, I would probably say like 120 grit. And, um, you know, you, you can do it with a sander, but with the type of sanding that I'm speaking about, you could, um, you could use a, a pole sander like the drywall finishers use that has okay. the flexible handle on it that gives you, you know, the ability to reach um, a lot of those higher areas. Um, could be done, or just use a palm sander, uh, but 100 to 120 grit is is probably all you need. Now, I'm looking at the pictures, and it looks like it uh, is is a V-groove, which can be a little bit of a challenge because you're going to have to get down in those grooves a little bit in order to the, the little beveled area of the ceiling so that you don't have um, kind of a, a, a blotchety kind of finish when you, you know, do your um, polyurethane. Well, that, I was going to that angle. That's that's a good point. What would you apply it with? If I did it with a roller, would it would it mess up into the groove? Would it be too much polyurethane in the groove? I'd, I'd be a little bit of afraid uh, of that, but no matter how you apply it, whether you spray it or um, or apply it with a roller, you're going to want to back brush it just to even gotcha. it out, to make it nice yeah. and even. Uh, and I would put two really light coats on it. That's going to adhere the best and end up giving you the, the best look. Joe, what do you think on this? I know you've seen the pictures. and you. I'm uh, looking at the, the photo right here. Yeah, yeah. and the, the cabin looks like a, a really nice finish. Um, and I think Sammy would be pretty good with just a light sanding, just more or less a cleaning, and right. then a couple coats of polyurethane. I believe he'll be surprised at how good that looks. Yeah, it won't change the color any, and you want to re- retain that color, so that's good. And I see, Sammy, you also have that really nice wood, and we're talking about V-Groove Knotty Pine for our listeners, and you have it on the ceiling as well. Are you doing? I assume you're going to have to do this to the ceiling as well as that wall, right? Right. I was uh, 
trying to avoid that, but I think I'm going to do it to keep it even. <laughs> yeah, applying polyurethane to a ceiling is going to be a messy proposition no matter oh, what boy. you do. You know, so... Um, I'm not sure what to tell you other than be spread out a lot of drop cloths and be careful. Um, but yeah, I think you, you definitely have to sand it first. Um, staining over this would be kind of difficult because you have the polyurethane on it now and the stain wouldn't really soak into anything unless you want to do a white wash. Um, but those would be very light colors, which maybe you'd like, but it would be either white, off-white, very light gray, very light blue, very light greenish kind of. So that would be another option. You can go over it. It's basically like a super thin paint. Um, okay. But uh, if you want to maintain this color, then your only option is to, uh, is to sand it lightly. And I would use a an orbital sander, not a random orbit, but a ran, an orbital sander, square pad, quarter sheet. It just very That would be really quick. Go over the whole surface, mm-hmm. wipe it down. And then, as Danny said, put on the polyurethane with the least amount of sheen. I guess that would be satin. Yes, I have that orbital, too. Last Good. question. Uh, would it be, what about oil or water-based? Water. water. I would always do water. Yeah, it's easier for cleanup. It doesn't smell. It dries quickly. And one last thing I just want to mention, if you do all of this and it still looks a little too shiny, get your orbital sander back out, put like 180 on it, 220 grit sandpaper, and just very lightly go over it. What you're doing is you're knocking it down and making it a little less glossy. Perfect. Great information. That's awesome. Well, you helped me last time and it was a success. Thank you for this time. Oh, you're All welcome, right, Sammy. Sammy. All right, this sounds sound like a lot of fun to be had there at that cabin. So go ahead and get the work done and then sit back and relax and enjoy it. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, take care. Yeah, I love cabins. You know, always just oh, yeah. kind of a little. Well, little you got cabin. your river cabin. How many yeah. years have you had that now? Quite a while, uh, right? It is coming up on its 40th year of is existence. Is it really? Wow. Yeah, July 4th, 2024 will be the 40th year that I've so had. That's the same place. year you got married, right? Wasn't it around the yep, same that's time? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's right. Ma- matter you... of fact, I, I built the cabin to be my little bachelor's pad. That was going to be my little <laughs> place down married. there. And then I got married. So I didn't know uh, my timing was off just a little bit. I thought bit that's there, how but... you convinced Sharon to marry you. You said, look at this, honey. Someday <laughs> all of this will be yours. All, that's right. All have, 400 square feet. I have waterfront property. And, so... <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's in the water. So you have to that's be careful. right. Yeah, it does uh, flood from time to time. But but we were talking uh, another thing, you know, about the International Builders Show that I saw everywhere is about you know, a healthy environment coming off the pandemic. Naturally, people right. are looking for ways to to kind of get in on the indoor air quality improvement movement, I guess you would say, um, and, and antibacterial lighting where everything that come and actual um, exhaust fans, like in the bathroom, kitchen, and so forth, that right. would move air across these um, antimicrobial-type lights. Um, you're seeing so much of that. So technology is is helping the indoor co- air quality because it's something we've talked about for years and years. It's not going away. The right. houses are tighter. We're still, we're still not embracing where we need to get those cleaning chemicals closed up out you know, out somewhere where you're not breathing all of that. So we got, we have a ways to go, but with some of the technology that I saw, I think it'll get us there a lot quicker. Hey, you're listening to today's homeowner radio. When we come back, we're going to talk about doors. You might not realize how readily available different size doors are these days. If you live in an older house, you might find that you have kind of a door, a door that's not really a traditional size door. What can you do? We'll point you in the right direction when we come back right here on today's homeowner radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Always so glad to be with you each and every week here on today's Homeowner Radio. We certainly want to help you any way we can. Pick up the phone and call us 800-946-4420 or send us an email anytime by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now we're talking about doors with Paul in Alabama. Paul, welcome to the show and tell us about this unique door. Appreciate you sending us that picture. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've got a, it uh, looks like a side has split on it and, uh, I can't get it to latch anymore. House was built in 1908. And of course the door is non-standard. Uh, it's 36 by 84. And so I'm having a hard time finding a replacement to, to go in there. And I think I'm going to have to rebuild the jam too. Okay. Um, well, the doors are available. You have to do a little searching and depends on if you want a brand new one or one that um, is older. There's, you know, a lot of architectural supply places around. You have to do a little searching and asking around maybe some of the um, remodeling contractors in your area and so forth to be able to see, you know, some of these places are kind of out of the way. Um, but you can you can just order this exact size door from places like Thermatrue, and Simpson and a few of those big door companies like this are used to not only trying to replace older doors, but also the desire a lot of people have. In in my house, actually, I have seven-foot doors, so the, the 84 inches is uh, pretty standard around here, what I have. So uh, you'll probably find pretty common, but um, I wonder about um, any repair on this door because you know, a lot of times you can take a door, you know, to a shop that does a lot of this, that they can kind of put it horizontal. They can drill in and do a few little things here and there, clamp it really well with some super good wood glue and and repair it. So that would be yet another idea. Um, you would have to, you know, do something temporary there because it would take them a day or two to close off that um, opening. Any, any other thoughts on it, um, Joe, for Paul? Yeah, Paul, um, as you know, the typical doors are 80 inches tall, so you have an 84-inch tall door, so you can get one custom-made. Um, there might be, as Danny said, there might be a couple of manufacturers that have that in their line. I know there's a company called Door to Door. That's the name of the company, Door to Door, and they make custom doors, I think in pine and fir. Um, so they'd be able to make one. It'd be pretty expensive, probably seven, $800. So I would certainly check an architectural, excuse me, architectural salvage yard and see if you can find one to fit. Now, this is assuming that you can't fix the door and fix the jam, as Danny suggested, which would be the cheapest thing. The other option would be to reduce the height of the opening. I mean, to fit an 80-inch door. I see that you have a transom window above, so I'm not sure what that would look like adding another four inches between it and the top of the door, but I guess those would be your only options, really. Reduce the opening for a standard-sized door, fix the door and jam, or pay for a custom-made door that will fit that opening now. Right. Yeah, we live in a historic district, so I'm not sure they're pretty uh, on top of things for what the, oh, yeah. of the house looks like, for sure. So, <laughs> Well, they would, they would certainly, yeah, they would certainly be in favor of you saving this door and, and, and reusing yeah. it. Yeah, and I think if you can see in the picture, you can see where the crack is that runs up just to the left of the handle. Oh, the I see. Yeah. The whole so door all the way up. Right. So it's between the style, which is the vertical piece, and the rails, which are the horizontal pieces. Right. Well, that's not unusual for those to come apart. And as Danny said, they can usually pull the door apart, you know, cut new mortises, whatever they're doing, glue it, mm -hmm. and put it back together. Um, you know, you have to pay someone to do that, but it'd probably be cheaper than a than a new door, certainly. Truthfully, I don't know. I might give a shot at it. 
Yeah, good, good, good. Well, well, best to look at it, Paul. Try to save it if you can, um, and and you'll find some guys. Matter of fact, ask the Historic Development Commission their recommendations. A lot of times they'll have uh, people that they've recommended in, in the past that are very used to working on older um, architectural elements like that. Might be able to find just who you need. That's a good idea. Thanks right. for your help. Okay, our pleasure, Paul. Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Sure yeah, um, anytime you can, you know, rework those components like that. Oh, you know, yes. Bottom line is it's less expensive, but yep. you still want to keep that level of authenticity in there as much as you can. And this is a unique looking door that you can't buy another one like that without having it completely custom made or finding an old one at a salvage yard. Right, exactly. Hey, let's go to the emails here for a quick email. We'd love to get one from you. Today's homeowner.com slash ask is where you need to go. That's what David in New York did. Our bedroom ceiling is cracking near the exterior wall. It seems to be between two joists and about two feet from the wall. Also, the ceiling paint has an alligator texture to it. Why is it happening and how can I repair it? Well, it's um, it's always hard to, you know, give an idea here of what needs to be done unless you can really, you know, put your eyes right on it. But when you have um, separation like that and a little cracking, that means it's movement. It may be thermal movement, expansion and contraction, which is normal, but wherever that crack is if you can install some drywall screws on each side of the crack to stabilize it and to make sure there's no movement that will allow you to go ahead and repair it so that you're not um, having that ongoing problem but this time of the year Joe there's just so you know with with it, some of the cold temperatures that we've had yeah. and that attic being very cold and everything shrinking you're going to have some movement like that that basically disappears when it when it warms back up. Now, the alligator texture, of course, alligatoring is a result of um, painting over something that's not completely dry. And boy, that that will scale up like a dry creek bed, you know, yeah, and yeah. look look terrible. I don't know if that's exactly what David's referencing there, but um, that can be quite a challenge if you have that commonly on woodwork. But on a ceiling, boy, that's a lot of sanding ahead of him in there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So he might just have like a wrinkled tape maybe or because we often get these questions about tape pulling away or cracking on exterior walls for the exact reason because of the temperature change and maybe moisture coming through the wall. So he basically is going to have to sand it. If it's the tape, cut it out and replace it. There's no real trick to what he needs to do. So um uh, if it's a crack that he wants to repair, you know, you have to scratch it out with like a can opener or a putty knife, widen it, remove the dust, fill it with joint compound and a piece of tape possibly over it and then repair it as you would any other drywall repair. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something that we're here almost every week here on today's homeowner and so many times it goes back to um, nails instead of screws on That's drywall. Right. Yep. Uh, screws are always going to be stronger and more stable than any type of nail. And a lot of times there's just not enough support in some of the corners, especially the specialty ceilings. So that's another thing to look at is if you have access to the attic, a few extra pieces of wood, a little extra framing, and a few strategic screws can make a big difference in making that uh, crack stay away, uh, you know, for a long, long time, which is exactly what you want. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk about that open flooring concept and how important that floor outlet is when you're trying to float the furniture in a room. We'll talk about that when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio.
Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Hey, wanted to check and see if you've signed up for our Today's Homeowner e-newsletter. It's very easy by going to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter. Sign up today and you'll get the latest, greatest home improvement information in your inbox each and every week. We also always remind you about how you can reach out to us through the Today's Homeowner hotline. That's 800 946 4420. That's what Christine in Georgia did. Christine, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on around your house there. Yes, I um, have an open concept living room, which means all of my furniture is in the middle of the floor. And so I thought it would be a good idea to have outlets, electrical outlets embedded in the floor. And I had an electrician do that, but I was expecting it to be flush with the floor. And instead, it actually sticks up about a half an inch. And so it's uh, not very attractive, number one. Number two, it's a tripping hazard. And I was wondering if there's a way to recess it so that it's flush with the floor or if I need a different outlet or something that would um, not be a tripping hazard. All righty. Well, I can certainly understand that. I'll tell you what, that is a tricky thing to decide exactly where those floor plugs uh, will go. You know, when you're especially when you're remodeling or uh, maybe building a new house. I can remember when I built my new house a few years ago and and you know here you are in the middle of of a pile of dirt and you're forming it up to pour the concrete slab and you've got to decide where the furniture is going <laughs> to go. Right. Boy, yeah. that, that is that's a, a tough call. That, that's a tough one. Well, Joe, I know that um, in your uh, renovation that you did a while back, that you installed a couple uh, floor I outlets. I, I have several here in my house, but but none of them, um, most all of mine, I would say, don't stick up more than, say, an eighth of an inch. Did you have that same experience? I did, Christine. You um, you said these stick up almost a half an inch. I've never seen one. You sent me a photograph, so I believe you, but I've never seen one stick up. That's like a hockey puck glued your floor. It it's, is. De- it's definitely a tripping hazard. Um, the ones I install are the traditional solid brass ones. There are probably a couple different companies that make them. The one that I have is from a company called Carlon, C-A-R-L-O-N, Carlon, Carlon Company. And you can probably find them at any um, electrical supply store. Home Depot probably even carries them. Um, but okay, so that's great. But how does that help you? I mean, they'd have to, you'd have to get one that's the same size as this. Because the re- when you open it up to plug in your lamp or whatever, the outlet itself is below the surface or flush with the surface, right? It's just the, right. Okay, so that's good. It's good that the box is below the floor. So um, I'm thinking if you can get the same size, the problem is they cut a round, big round hole in your floor for this mm-hmm. one. So obviously, your whatever you buy is going to have to be either a little bigger or the same size because um, you can always enlarge the hole. You can't make it any smaller. Um, so that's the only thing I could tell you to do is go out and try to find one of these brass ones. These are the ones that have been around for generations. I never knew they made any other ones when I bought these, but, and Danny's right. I, when I put this in, I did, we didn't have our furniture and I put two of them. <laughs> one of them I've never used cause it's not anywhere near where it was supposed to be. So <laughs> the other one worked out perfectly. So hopefully you had better luck than I, cause it prevents you from stringing extension cords or whatever lamps and ours, we have a carpet over ours. So the wire runs under the carpet, so there's no tripping hazard at all. But if you did that, you'd have this big lump under your carpet. So right, there's certainly a way and to replace this. I didn't know there was a this. code violation no. or anything by putting a rug on top or what. No, what, uh, no. Okay. The only violation is if you use an outlet that doesn't go into a floor. Like you can't okay. take a wall outlet and put it in the floor. So right. um, long as it's code compliant, you'll be fine. Okay. All right. Because uh, when I spoke to the electrician who installed them 
said he never heard of anything like I was talking about. And I said, well, where I work, they have them that are flush with the floor. However, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. were embedded in carpeting rather than on a um, right. hardwood floor. But I, yeah, that, I that thought they matter. would exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine is on a hardwood floor. Take a picture of the one at the office or go online to Carlin Company and download one of those photographs and just bring it to wherever you're going and say, this is what I want. Do you have one? And measure the measure the hole in your floor, too, because um, you, obviously you want to try to match that if you can. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, Christine, okay. good Our luck. Our pleasure, Christine. You you take Thank care you. and ha- have a great you week. Too. That's that's one of those things. And, and like you said, Joe, you if you have that uh, in your f- floor and, you know, so that it's nice and convenient, and then you have yep. to run an extension cord four or five feet away, yeah. it just kind of <laughs> almost defeats the purpose and can be a little dangerous if you have that cord coming straight up. You know, you do have right. those cords that kind of have the right angle outlet. Yep. That yep. saves a little bit of, of that. But, no, uh, you have to be careful with that. And, oh, by the way, don't let your iced tea get poured down in there. That's not a good one. I, I have seen I've seen that before. I've removed some of them, and there's like a things puddle? growing. It's like a petri oh, dish down yeah, in there. Yeah. You don't want you don't want that either. So, all right. Well, you're listening to today's homeowner radio. We're going to be coming up. Uh, what about that simple solution, Joe? You got uh, something you want to share with us? Yeah, you have a stain in your carpet. I've got a quick and simple way to clean that stain using products you probably have in your house right now. Good. I'll listen in on that one because we do have a pretty significant stain on one of our uh, our rugs. I'm sure it is a result of a few visits from my grandkids. <laughs> problem is, problem is, we don't know what it is, but it's a big oh. dark stain. So I'll be listening okay. to your advice on that, and I hope everybody Great. else will when we come back here on today's homeowner radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. So glad to be with you each and every week. And something that we truly enjoy bringing you is a fresh, simple solution every hour here on today's Homeowner. Joe, what do you have for us right now? All right, Danny, here's a simple solution for a carpet cleaning tip. An inexpensive and safe, non-toxic way to clean stains and odors, by the way, from virtually any type of carpeting. Start with some baking soda. Sprinkle a nice amount, a liberal amount of baking soda over the, not only the stain, but the area around the stain. Or if it's, the, if it's an odor, obviously you want to do a larger area. And then immediately mist it with hot water. Just tap water, hot tap water in like a plant mist or something like that. And mist the baking soda. Wait a minute or two and then start scrubbing with a stiff bristle scrub brush, just a nylon scrub brush. And after you scrub it, wait. And what you do is you want to wait until the baking soda dries and the water dries out a little bit. And then you end up with this dry, dusty um, material on the carpet. And then you just vacuum it. And the carpet will be clean. It will smell clean. And what happens is between the hot water and the baking soda, the, the baking soda will absorb It'll loosen up that stain, and ordinarily the baking soda absorbs the stain. You may have to do this once or two or three times, depending on how much, how deeply set the stain is, because you'll see it'll get lighter and lighter. Um, But baking soda and a little hot water is typically all you need to get that stain out of your carpeting. Boy, some of that commercial carpet cleaner is so obnoxious. I mean, it's got to be bad for funky, you. right? Yeah. Yeah, you put it on there and that strong, strong chemical smell. And, uh, boy, if you uh, spilt a little coffee in my truck a while back and, uh, clean, you know, use some of that to clean it and 
Yeah. I had to leave the doors of the windows open for that thing for several days. Oh, before. wow. I felt like yeah. I was in, in just some kind of uh, toxic mess there, you know. Yeah. It, it cleaned it, but um, it, 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 was, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty <laughs> bad. But we appreciate that great simple solution from my friend Joe Truini. And you can see over 550 of them by going to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solution. Also, while you're there, you can check out where you can see the Today's Homeowner Syndicated Television Show. Show, brand new shows right now, and this one is called the Grand Bunk Room. And what a you know what a bunk room is, or a bunk house where all the cowboys sleep. Well, the kids love this kind of concept, especially with bunk beds. We um, did a little bit of work on a particular house with uh, two very proud grandparents that have six grandkids, and they wanted a place that they just would feel comfortable. Well, we created that with the bunk beds that made for very efficient use to be able to um, allow sleeping arrangements for all of the kids. And then storage for the toys, the most important, yep. a large trundle bed type of drawer coming right out from under the lower bed, provided all the storage they need. So go to todayshomeowner.com right now to find out where you can see it in your area. We also want to uh, remind you that you can see us on Vizio Smart TV on demand and on our linear channel, 516. We also have a linear channel uh, on LG Smart TV, that's uh, channel 476, and that's today's homeowner television shows 24 hours a day, anytime you want to see some of the episodes there. And of course, remember our podcast, you can go to um, listen to any of our past radio episodes, our daily tips for today's homeowner, and our weekly Ask Danny episodes all in one convenient place. Just search for the Today's Homeowner podcast on your favorite podcasting app. A lot of opportunities. And remember, we're always here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800-946-4420, or send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. A lot of different ways you can interact with us. Certainly uh, remember all about um, Roku, Exumo, Pluto, all of those streaming channels. We're there, Today's Homeowner <laughs> Television Show. Just try to avoid us. Try just to avoid try. us. That's yeah, right. We've been, this is our 25th year on national television. We have a lot of shows and a lot of information to share with you. But that pretty much wraps up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. I'm Danny Lipford, my co-host Joe Truini. want to say a special thanks to our producer Jacob Scarborough and our wonderful engineer Corey Wilson and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic weekend and look forward to seeing you again here for more Today's Homeowner Radio. We'll see you then.